And so we ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of each of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our King and our Redeemer. Amen. So we're thinking in this uh, period coming on from Pentecost about uh, people where we see the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And last week, Peter talked about Hildegard of Bingen back in the Middle Ages and linking her story uh, with the story of uh, the conversion of St. Paul, uh, the light that appeared on the Damascus Road, that very famous story. Uh, And in Hildegard's experience, the way in which uh, she saw light, she uh, came into an experience of God in his creation. And we're continuing to look at Paul's story in our reading. And uh, another person enters into the narrative uh, in this passage that we've read, that Paulina read to us. And this is uh, the person Ananias, who is never mentioned before and later is only mentioned because Paul recites the story and tells about how Ananias appeared uh, to him uh, and came to him. And uh, somebody suggested to me that uh, Ananias is a little bit like a a sleeper. Uh, If you read the John le Carre, you know, there's the sleepers who are around, who nobody knows who they are or what they're for, but then they get a call, don't they, from London Centre. This is the moment. Now you're in the game. And uh, Ananias, perhaps in a way, is that kind of person. He's in the church. He's a faithful uh, Jewish believer. But then he gets something that he never, never dreamed would happen in his experience. It is to go and to ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. Now, the Christians knew about Saul. They knew that he was their number one enemy. He was out there to get them. He was putting them in prison. He was the person through whom more of them possibly were going to be killed. So this was not the kind of message from God that Ananias was wanted to hear at all. Uh, And yet he did what he was told. He went, he found Saul, and he said to him some words from God. And he laid his hands on Saul, and Saul received this fullness of the Spirit. So this is the theme that we're thinking about, this fullness of the Spirit, this movement of the Spirit. And we're trying to relate that to people in the story of the church. So today I'm relating this to John Bunyan, uh, who, as we've already said, uh, was born in the area of Bedford. Uh, Some things about him are very like Saul, who became Paul. Some things are unlike uh, Saul. Uh, The unlike bit would be that Paul was a very educated man. Bunyan was from a relatively poor family, little education, uh, although he could read and write, and was a tinker, as we saw in uh, the picture, in his teens, mending pots and pans. He then went into the army uh, and uh, was in the Civil War period in the army on the side of the parliament. Uh, Left the army, got married when he was 20 years of age, And in his own story about his own journey, this is not Pilgrim's Progress, but a book he wrote very specifically about his story called 
grace abounding to the chief of sinners. And again, you can see the link with Paul who spoke about himself as as the chief of sinners. So in this story, he talks about intense spiritual struggles that he had. Feelings when he wanted to be just far away from God, uh, but also a desire to know God and to know something real in his life. And there's a great part of that narrative where he says he was just walking around and he said, I heard some women talking about the experience of Christ and the new birth, the new life in Christ. He says, I just heard these women. And he said, the joy that they had as they spoke about that was something I knew that I didn't have. And so I think of these women uh, somewhere in Bedford in that period as the kind of Ananias type person. We don't know the names of these women, but we know that they had a profound impact on John Bunyan, whose name then became very, very well known, especially through his book, Pilgrim's Progress. And they introduced Bunyan in this spiritual search that he had to the pastor of their church, John Gifford, uh, the church in Bedford. And around the age of 25 or 26, having had his own personal experience of Christ, uh, he joined this church. He was baptized. It was actually, this church in Bedford, a kind of ecumenical church. Uh, Now, of course, they didn't use the word ecumenical uh, in those days like we do now. But in the church, very unusually, uh, they had the practice of infant baptism and of the baptism of adult believers. And usually in those days, those two things separated people off from one another into different churches. But they brought uh, those things together in that church in Bedford. So that's something good for us to think about. Uh, And in this church, Bunyan found people around him, these companions for the journey who then pop up in Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, And it does remind me of how Paul, when he came into the Christian church, found people around him, found people like Barnabas. Remember the story of Barnabas, the one who really encouraged Paul when it was really difficult uh, to be accepted in the Christian church. And so here we have these journeys, the journey of Saul who became Paul, the journey of Bunyan who joined this Bedford congregation and uh, with his wife and his four children, his first wife died, he later remarried, Uh, he became kind of a celebrity Uh, and people wanted him to speak, they wanted to hear what he had to say, uh, what he had to say about his experience and what he had to say from the Bible. So he traveled more, but he had a problem because a lot of what he was doing was actually illegal in terms of the 17th century situation. He was a dissenter uh, from the established ways of doing things in the church. And so he was arrested and he was put in prison and, as I said, uh, stayed in prison uh, for 12 years and uh, felt deeply, as we can imagine, the pain of separation uh, from his wife and children. We can see, I think, something in this, again, of a pattern. It's a pattern there in Paul. It's a pattern uh, in the Christian life of people who have suffered deeply. And yet, out of that has come a depth of experience. And in Bunyan's case, this flowering of writing. Now, it isn't that this was easy for him. He spoke about uh, how to be there, to be separated from his family, especially his daughter Mary, the blind daughter, was like the pulling of flesh from my bones, he said. It was, it was such anguish 
for him. Uh, and yet, here we have somebody in these unpromising sort of situation, this unpromising situation, uh, who wrote and wrote and wrote. At one time, I had all the works of Bunyan in three massive volumes. And uh, I had to prune down because uh, I had just too many books um, at one stage in my life, and I had to prune away a lot of that. But it just made me realize, as I re- read through that, um, what imagination, what uh, uh, a communicator Bunyan was. And Pilgrim's Progress, which he wrote towards the end of all this period of writing, of course became uh, possibly uh, the best-selling book outside the Bible that there's ever been. Uh, And we've got a presentation of Pilgrim's Progress. Ah, there we are. Uh, Yep. Uh, In Cambridge, on Tuesday and on Wednesday evening, and we arranged these talks, which includes John Bunyan, before these people ever put their publicity out. So you heard about it first at Camborne Church. Uh, anybody interested? We've got some leaflets outside. Pilgrim's Progress, it's, it's this journey uh, of a Christian, called Christian, but in a way it's everybody's journey. So let's just think about our lives, our journeys Who's there? What's happening? What's happened in the past? Journeys have beginnings. And in Pilgrim's Progress, Christian has a beginning where he's, he's asking a question. What shall I do to be saved? goes back to the book of Acts, doesn't it? Where in Philippi, when Paul went to preach there uh, and was in prison, the jailer said, what shall I do to be saved? There's a beginning. And there are people on the journey. Some people are helpful. Uh, In the early part of Pilgrim's Progress, we have Evangelist, who is saying, this is the way, take this path. Then we have another character, Mr. Worldly Wise Man, who says, no, you don't want to go that way. That's just nonsense. And we still have these characters around. We've got one or two worldly wise men and women that we meet out and about, uh, who don't want us to be on this journey uh, that is involved in following Christ. We've got the moments of great joy in, a, in the journey. Uh, as it was for Paul, so it was for Bunyan. Uh, the moment at the cross, when the burden went from off his back that he'd been carrying. And he suddenly saw, yes, I'm free. And in Pilgrim's Progress, he gave three leaps for joy. I'll just give one, but he gave three. Uh, And then he went on. But then he comes to the hill difficulty. And it's in in Pilgrim's Progress, it's always this way. There's always the contrasts. He's in uh, the palace called Beautiful and in a room called Peace. And then where's he next? The Valley of Humiliation with the foul fiend Apollyon and the dreadful fight that takes place and the valley of the shadow of death. Now, this is actually not just entertainment. This is reality in people's journeys, dark places. That's what Bunyan's wanting to tell us in Pilgrim's Progress. He's wanting to tell us it's not just, hey, what shall I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. Next thing, you're in heaven. No, these journeys are deep and perplexing for people 
And that's what Bunyan is telling us. But he's telling us about the friends, as I said before, hopeful and faithful. And when they're in deep and dark places in Doubting Castle with giant despair, there are others, just as Paul in prison had Silas there with him. The friends in these moments are so important. And then in the story, uh, they come to the point where through the telescope, they can see the celestial gate. They can see where they're heading for. And in my dream, says Bunyan, Christian and Hopeful had this view of the city, streets paved with gold. They could see where all of what had happened to them in the past was going to come to a conclusion. And two of the shining ones, as he says, came out to lead them. And as they cross over the river at the end, uh, Bunyan describes the melodious sounds, the trumpet sounding, and the sight as if heaven itself had come to meet them. But it's not as if that's the only thing, just what happens at the end. What Bunyan is telling us is think about the journey. Think about where you are on the journey. Think about how the Spirit is leading you. And this is really what we're about this morning. And as we come uh, to take the bread and the wine, as we come uh, to the Lord's table, we come back to the cross as Christian did, as he expressed it, blessed cross, the blessing of sins forgiven, blessed sepulcher, the blessing of Christ who has been raised from the dead, who is with us. And blessed be the man who there was put to shame for me, says Christian. And in that blessing, let us take the bread and the wine in a few moments in our service. And let us think back on those people who have helped us. And let us be those people who can help others as they take the next steps on their journey. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.